Welcome back, everybody. War Room, the Hockey Podcast. We are back this week with episode 72. Woohoo! Uh, last week we reviewed, uh, reviewed the World Junior Championship as well as previewed uh, a little bit of the upcoming NHL season, which as of this recording begins today, uh, which is exciting. Um, Very. Real quick, uh, want to mention this, get it out of the way, not spend a lot of time on it, but we want to mention it now just to get it done. Um Partly because we're, we don't want to get in the business of ignoring our listeners. No. Um, but we did have a listener who wanted um, commentary on the D'Angelo situation. Um, what I'm going to say is it doesn't deserve commentary. No. Uh, what I'm going to say is um, that it, it it's not a situation. Uh, he merely deleted his Twitter. No matter the context behind it, <laughs> all he did was delete his Twitter. Um <laughs> And if it's because of his support for a specific individual, then so be it. Because the America or or Canada that we choose to say that we love and appreciate and want is a free U.S. and Canada. And yep. with that comes the ability to believe and have the opinions we want to have. Yep. And to vilify no somebody f f because they support somebody we don't like is exactly <laughs> the hypocrisy and the problem in the world today with one side more than the other. Yep. Let's be real. And it's, anybody with common sense knows which side I'm talking about. So, so he did. And all I'm going to say too, because part of why this doesn't deserve commentary is because anybody who knows us knows where you and I also stand politically. Yep. So we don't, we don't need to give fuel to that. No, it it's, is what it, it is. I, there's a lot of people, a lot of people that have deleted their Twitter and Facebook accounts because of the censorship. Mm -hmm. Their things are being taken down. Uh, account, accounts are being frozen or deleted for them if they say the wrong thing. And those those social media used to be platforms. Now they are editorial pages. And so, unfortunately, the accounts being deleted. Sorry, but they're conservative accounts. Yeah. So. Let's be so real if, here. So if uh, if it's okay for Matt Dumba to take a to knee. take a knee during the anthem and support Black Lives Matter, yeah. and he was called a courageous hero for that, which is so that that but that's his right. Yep. That's been paid for with the blood of soldiers and yep. by the sacrifices of the founding fathers in the United States and the people who settled and and founded these countries, the greatest countries in the world. And so it's it's freedom. It's freedom of speech, yep. and it has to go both ways. So if you can if you can calmly and peacefully support your cause, if that's Black Lives Matter, okay, do that. If that's the other side, then do that. That's the countries that we live in, and it's fine. But yep. if it's good, one, good for one, it's good for all. Oh yeah, period. It, it can't be all that, can't that, be one way or the other. Nope. No, and that's all. That's all we're gonna say. Partly because you know what? At the end of the day, I absolutely despise the irrelevant, <laughs> self righteous celebrities and and athletes because it it is it is all all the individuals more on one side of the political fence than the other. Let's be real. But all the individuals that are irrelevant. 
They haven't been in a movie or a TV show in years. They haven't this or that. So they, for clickbait and headline, they want to say something or do something to get 15 minutes of fame. I despise it because you're not in the political realm. Therefore, therefore, we are moving on. That's all I'm saying because I hate when you turn on a hockey broadcast or or, um, the Oscars, for crying out loud, and you're getting global warming speeches and you're getting all this (laughs) bullshit and all this black lives matter stuff all over the place whether it's right or wrong the mere fact that you're talking about it when you are not a political pundit yeah is ridiculous because it's not your job so how do you have credibility if you can make a three-pointer or you can play it play guitar don't isn't that make you uh qualified to tell everyone how to think I'm pretty sure it does. Well, if you'd ask them, sure. <laughs> right. And I'm sure if you ask a, f- a few of our listeners, they'd probably agree. But the point is, the point is, that's all we're saying. Oh, it's insulting. It doesn't, it, it is insulting. It's insulting yep. that, that we're, to be quite honest, that we're even asked to even mention it. We're but, a hockey podcast. But we are a hockey podcast. We talk hockey. We bring hockey. The beauty of sports is that it's a distraction from the things going on in the world. That's what sports is supposed to be. And the mere fact that politics has bled into sports like you saw with the nba playoffs and all this bullshit is absolutely embarrassing and it's an insult sports is meant to be pure exhilaration fun exciting and a distraction we are a hockey podcast and we are talking hockey that's all we're going to mention about it it doesn't deserve any more Partly because I don't want to be one of those idiotic hypocrites that then carries on about it. So we're done. Hockey podcast. There you go. This week, we are discussing the upcoming NHL season a little more in depth because yeah. it begins, as of this recording, it begins today uh, with a triple header uh, on on national television uh, today and this week, which, by the way, is better than a blue and white game on TSN from a intra-squad scrimmage from the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I digress. We had a big watch party for that intra-squad game. It's a way to get together. Fine. (laughs) We are Uh, discussing today's games. NHL season begins. We are discussing uh, rumors, different headlines that are coming up. Today today we are discussing, because we are purely excited for the start of the hockey season, this episode we are just seeing where the hockey discussion takes us and and going with it. Uh, nothing too structured. Obviously, we ha- we have things written down that we want to hit, but at the end of the day, we're, we're ta- two guys talking hockey, which is the beauty of the sport. That's so, right. Uh, before anything, make sure you head to Instagram, Facebook, like and you follow us there, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, rate and review. That's the big one. Rate and review, subscribe, and settle in. Episode 72 of War Room the Hockey Podcast. The NHL begins today. And on top of that, if you didn't think today could get any more exciting, the new Porter is coming out this afternoon at 3 o'clock, <laughs> tapping the new Porter at Breakaway Brewing. Is that what you meant when you texted me today? Yes. Because when, I, when we were texting this morning before we got together that trying to figure out the day and you said, well, I'm good till three. I'm Is that what you three. meant? Yes. Because you want to be one of the first ones there. I'm going to be there at three Oh one. Well, in fact, I might, I told Owen, I might let myself in because I still have a key. I might true. be there at a quarter till just true. to get the jump well, on. Because we're already mentioning, usually we mention a little later, but since we're already mentioning, we'll mention some friends of the show, uh, breakaway brewing, 
Uh, you just mentioned it, Breakaway Brewing in downtown Summerland here in the Okanagan Valley. Uh, great beers on tap. The most beers they've they've had uh, since opening on their menu, and one of them being the brand new porter. Yes. They have they had a French toast porter on. Uh, now it's That's their sold out. Now it's their peanut butter porter, correct? No, it's uh, chocolate raspberry, dark chocolate. Right, raspberry. right, right, right. Not peanut butter, chocolate, dark chocolate raspberry. Yes. Um, on tap, you love your stouts and your porters. I do. Uh, we uh, we love Breakaway, family-run business, and we, it's a great atmosphere with this hockey season starting and yes. Breakaway being open. The televisions Hopefully, will be uh, all lit up. Hopefully tonight, the televisions are lit up with some hockey and and. Yeah. Uh, beer is flowing nicely so breakaway brewing your place for craft beer in the okanagan make sure you hit it make sure you find them follow and like them on the necessary social media platforms our friends with breakaway brewing your place for craft beer in the okanagan our also our friends also are north paw media uh, north paw media is behind as we mentioned in previous episodes they are behind the recordings that you hear but they're also behind uh the photography and the the video uh, that we will be seeing with War Room the Hockey Podcast with Dad Motive and and everything like that to bring the v- podcast to video form for YouTube uh, here in the coming months in 2021. So North Paw Media, great, great friends in the Okanagan as well. Salute. So. Away we go. The NHL season begins today. I am upset. Oh, and I know that you don't like it when I'm upset. Oh, my, it breaks it's, my heart. <laughs> My heart hurts when you when you hurt. Break out the tissues. Uh, there are problems with Keith Yandel in Florida, and the reason not only is he maybe the funniest active player in the league right now, but he's played 866 consecutive games, and he's got a contract problem now in Florida for some reason. One of the best performing offensive defensemen of the last. 10 years consistently and he is likely to be a healthy scratch in the first two weeks of the season and 866 consecutive games oh so you're upset because it um because he kind of like cogliano with the with this real sketchy suspension you're gonna blow his iron man here with yeah with all this he's gonna he, he has not had a night off in 11 years and now he's facing a healthy scratch, which will end one of the top, what, five or six Ironman streaks of all time. And it's a, it's a crying shame because that is a streak that I absolutely have the ultimate respect for, is a guy who can stay healthy enough to stay on his skates for 11 years. Some guys don't do it for 11 games, and this guy has not taken a night off. Plus... He's just, if you ever get a chance to hear him interviewed, he is absolutely hysterical. Oh, he's great. He's great. awesome. Anyway, that's uh, that's what's bugging me today is I hate to see that happen for Keith. Well, don't be bugged too long because no, no. it's exciting. It's an exciting day. I've moved um, on. I'm resilient. I'm good. Larkin is named the captain in Detroit. Might as well. Uh, he's a good kid. Good Detroit boy. And so. here's, here's, here's something you'll love. Uh, Ten million plus dollars, and Bobrovsky is uncertain for the season opener for the Panthers. Ten million dollars, and that's your goaltender. I told you that was a white elephant when they signed that guy, and I stand by that. They will be—he will be a buyout. They better get him before he's thirty-four, so that they can actually get rid of him. Um, oh my goodness! Well, here's here's well. 
here's the big the big thing and not to bounce around too much and make it too chaotic but the big the big announcement um the ECHL is expanding they're expanding into Quebec really ECHL expanding into Quebec as well they're putting a new franchise in Iowa wow in Iowa and then as well as one in Quebec so two new teams one in Iowa and one in Quebec, so they are expanding. The um, I did not hear that the the Coast team in Quebec are they playing in the what used to be the old Colisée? They built got the new building now that they are not likely to get a franchise for in the, in the big league anytime soon. Is that where they're going to play? Uh, let me look it up. Let me look up the while you're doing that. Here, uh, here we go. Patrick yeah. Line on the trade block. Roslovic on the trade block. Both of those guys. Roslovic's a good young player. It's not just everybody that can handle Liney. He is a man. The, he needs to play for a season or two under Barry Trotz. <laughs> that may be the only guy in the league that can make a, a complete player out of Patrick Liney. Well, there are a lot of rumors around that particular trade piece, one of them being Capo Caco from the Rangers um, for Liney. Yeah. Um, but... We can obviously get into that. Another one being uh, Flurry. There's rumors with Flurry as well, but we'll get to that. The ECHL um, announced Tuesday that the league's board of governors has approved expansion applications for Coralville, Iowa. And please forgive me, any anybody with French uh, in in how they speak and, and in their name, I may butcher this. But Coralville, Iowa, and Troy Rivieres, Trois Rivieres, Three Rivers, uh, Quebec. Okay. Uh, to begin play for 21-22. Um, they are both, both teams um, will be owned by Dean McDonald. Really? Uh, through Deacon Sports and Entertainment, uh, which also owns the Newfoundland Growlers. Are they affiliated? In the league. Are they going to be, are they NHL affiliated? A lot of those teams are just the the step from um, AHL. AHL affiliate, if they, I'm sure they might be. Um, not every CHL team gets an affiliation. No, um, they might be uh, Quebec, especially being in in Canada, might get a, a, an affiliation just because of is Minnesota's um, AHL team are they in Iowa? They're is they're the right? Iowa Wild. Yeah, I wonder if that's probably going to be a feeder for them. Maybe, um, but n- if there is an affiliation, nothing has been announced yet. I okay. don't believe, but. Um, Coralville will play out of a 5,100-seat venue, uh, which was uh, completed in September 2020. Um, Let me the say, Quebec team will play out of... Uh, um, need help with the another Colisée. name. The Colisée? Yeah. In Trois-Rivières? Uh, I'm not good with French. <laughs> okay. Les <laughs> Noive. How do you say? I'm not looking at it. I'm not sure what you're seeing. N O U V E A U. Le Nouveau. Le Nouveau Colisée. Yeah. Um, a new construction. So it, it will be a new construction oh. uh, that'll hold 4,300 fans. I wonder if that's going to be where the. Uh, well, anyway. Uh, I'm welcoming we'll see, these we'll two great developed. markets and uh, beautiful state of the art facilities. Um, let's see. We have great Sports. Uh, history working with Dean's ownership and ownership group and leadership team um look forward to bringing these t- uh, two teams in these areas um 
into the fold and, and see them make an impact as assets to their communities. Um, whoops. This is a bit of, if you don't mind, this is a little bit of how Mark Chipman got the Jets in Winnipeg. He put the Manitoba moose, built the building, put the moose in, had a very successful AHL franchise for years, was on Gary Bettman's short list, went about it the right way. And we discussed this uh, a few months ago that he proved himself to be a good quality owner, uh, financially capable and doing things per the National Hockey League's recommended route when you want to get a franchise. So all of a sudden when Atlanta became available, they were overnight in Winnipeg because that had been, that groundwork had been laid for a long time as opposed to, uh, the founder of BlackBerry, Jim Balsilli, who bought and renovated the uh, the Hamilton, the Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, and then came out one day and announced that he was going to get an NHL franchise. And uh, Mr. Bettman said, au contraire, <laughs> you are not getting an NHL franchise. That is not how we do things here. So going about it the right way, I'm not saying that that's Dean McDonald's ultimate goal. But this is how this gets done. Yeah. Uh, here's speculation. Uh, something to speculate on. Wild theory here. But what is the ECHL team in Quebec, could it possibly be a litmus test for how they might respond financially uh, as well as a number of other things for a possible NHL franchise? Well, it's a good question. And it's just something to I, consider. I can say but. with reasonable assurance that the financial viability of a team in Quebec City, which is a couple hours from Three Rivers, the financial viability is not the question. The ability to sell tickets is not the question. Corporate sponsorship is not the question. Even uh, Quebec Corps, who was going to be the ownership group uh, behind all that, they are not in question. <clears throat> Excuse me. The problem is Bettman is loath to move a franchise. He's he's hung on to the Arizona. Florida Panthers, to the Phoenix uh, Arizona Coyotes. He's he's held on to some teams by revenue sharing. He's held on to these teams for twenty years. So for him to all of a sudden say, well, we're going to move Carolina, we're going to move Florida or something like that is very, very unlikely to happen. Expansion is unlikely to happen. So unless there was something catastrophic about one of the Eastern franchises, Quebec City is fully prepared economically and every other way, season ticket and fan base wise, to support an NHL franchise. But it's just too little too late. He's not going to, it is so unlikely that he's going to uproot a franchise, even if somebody was to start going, you know, into financial trouble. Yeah. The league took over the Coyotes for years from uh, Jerry Moyes and propped them up with 20, 30 million bucks a year for 10 years or so. Yeah. Probably still doing it. Yeah. But that's, that's why there is revenue sharing. So those franchises don't bounce around constantly. A generation ago, if your franchise got in trouble and you found a buyer someplace, you just sold the Quebec Nordiques to Charlie Lyons in Denver. And overnight, hey, it's my franchise. I sold it. I'm tired of losing money. 
and it was happening constantly and it was very unstable for the league. Yeah. So everybody got together and said, let's do some revenue sharing here so these teams can stay put. Anyway, that's that story. Well, just something I thought I'd <clears throat> spitball a little bit there. On the, um, on the topic of the East Coast League, and I'll be very brief, if you ever get a chance, the best, the best hockey stories you can ever find come from guys who spent at least some of their time in the coast. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to listen to or read or, or dig up some stories of career minor leaguers, man, the stories that come out of the East Coast Hockey League are absolutely hilarious. You, they are, they're hard to believe. Oh, yeah. Until you read thirty or forty of them that that reference the same kind of stuff going on, they're hard to believe that this actually could happen in two thousand twelve or something. But yep. it did. Yep. Anyway, so. the coast is a beauty for a great source for uh, entertainment. Oh, absolutely. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, some rumors around. We just mentioned uh, Line A. Um, we mentioned his name connected with uh, the likes of even Capo Caco, which mm, I'm not sure that would happen, but. Um, nonetheless, uh, another rumor, uh, floating, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, there's been speculation that he's on the outs with Vegas ever since the, um, issue past season with, um, the social media post that was made with once yeah. Leonard was named the starting goalie and all these different things. But nonetheless, uh, his name is floating around one of which, um, he's connected to Colorado, um, for Ian Cole, um, obviously Maybe. not for a one for one thing. No, um, but there there's a connection there. Uh, Flurry to Colorado for Ian Cole and something. Well, um, he's he's going to be mostly a salary dump because they are in salary trouble in Vegas and. It, you know, so then maybe a, what, you could, is he a seven million dollar guy? So then maybe you could get him for Ian Cole and maybe a conditional pick. Yeah, if you can yeah. not get him for much, if it's a salary dump, he he is a salary dump, and that's a shame for a guy with his pedigree and as popular as he is. But he will be a salary dump because they've got themselves painted into a corner, cap wise. So that's going to be he's going to be tough to move because a lot of times you can take a guy like that and retain some of his salary and, and unload him. And I hate to say unload and Mark Andre Fleury in the same sentence, but that can happen. Vegas cannot retain any salary on him. No, they can't. They don't have the space. Uh, Colorado right now uh, has t- about two million in space, um, but they'll have about eight million later in the year. Uh, there's some weird uh, cap contract situations with this particular season with how that works. Uh, two million to start, and then later in the year, either around the deadline or around playoff time or whatever. Where the Colorado will then have about eight million in space. How are they freeing up the space? Do you know? I don't know. I just read it. I, not there's no context to it. Um, it was just the numbers. Well, the how that how that happens or how they go about it, I don't know. Um, but that it, what I read made it sa- seem like it was not contingent on anything. Like it was a a guarantee that at some point there will be eight million in space i just wonder what what they're moving around to make that happen yeah, i don't know um, um so right now vegas has about seven dollars and fifty cents worth of cap space so they've got to if they're going to do anything with that roster they're going to have to move him um and you know he's he's just such a stable guy you never he never takes a year off no. uh, so he'd be a great pickup for somebody looking for a steady number two 
but he is the world right now the world's most expensive number two. Do, does that create questions for Vegas though, with their cap with their cap situation? Uh, everybody's kind of in it with a flat cap, but um, with Vegas, since we're mentioning it, um, hey, nothing against a quality general manager who's capable of navigating. Uh, up against the cap year in and year out. But um, is Vegas in a position now that you're seeing with maybe a Nashville or something where their window is kind of either do it now or you're you're kind of SOL? Because at some point, flat cap or not, those cap questions are going to create some major r- roster decisions. And you're either going to have to win, get the win, the Stanley Cup under your belt, and then start doing it? Or unfortunately, you're just going to have to start maybe blowing it up a little bit because teams can only survive so long, no matter how good a general manager is, up against the cap before before things have to start, right start changing. So is Vegas in that position, or do they still... Do, they, do you think, anyway, since, again, speculation... Do they, they still have, have a little bit of time? They don't have any impending. They don't have any tidal waves coming. They've got their main core tied up for a while. They've got Pacioretty. He's a $7 million hit at 32 years old. Um, but they've got Pacioretty for three more years. they got Mark Stone for like six years. William Carlson for six years. Riley Smith for two more. They've got Marcheseau for four years. Uh, Alex Tuck for six they, I mean, they're they're in real nice shape, and they've even got Carrier tied up and and Revo for two more years. So, Cody Glass is coming under uh, under a million. He's got three two and a half years left. Who else? Well, they've got uh, and on defense they've got Petrangelo and and Theodore tied up. They'll have Martinez next at the end of this year. Martinez comes off the books at four million. Yeah. So they're in pretty decent shape. But that $7 million hit of flurries is just one they would really, really like to get rid of for the next two years. But whether they can move him, uh, where's the right fit for a guy like that? Like, is is New Jersey a fit for him? Where where would you go since Corey Crawford just hung him up? Like, who's who's in the market really well, it would that's be, got the space for him? Well, exactly. And it, especially with the flat cap situation, how do you... You know, how do you take, how do you see a team willing to take that on unless, right? And that creates the question then of, well, they're trying to clear space. So you either got to find somebody who's willing to take that on. And there, I'm sure there are teams out there that have the space to do so. But, you know, in general, you move at the 7 million, a lot of teams probably aren't going to be 100% sold on taking that in unless they can then, in exchange, clear space themselves right. which then creates issues for vegas because their whole goal is to clear the space so now what do you do so three-way deal it, i i yeah, don't know Maybe. it creates it creates some interesting time but it's one of those things that i don't see happening in probably till the deadline or even after um just because of the complexity of the moving parts yeah so well, you, you think about this too you've got the expansion draft coming so teams have got to navigate who they're protecting and who they're not. And you've got to leave the right guys available uh, based on both the cap and your your roster and your future. So you've got to make sure that you've got enough goaltenders that they don't try to nab your top. You know, you don't want to, you can't protect two. So, yeah. So uh, other other rumors, um, 
this one is officially done. It's been it's concluded. Uh, but the Canucks to sign Travis Hamonic, he has been signed um, in in Vancouver. Um, good boy and a real good signing for Vancouver. That was a that was a great move. Again, another uh, not so rumor uh, as something that is a headline and news that's already happened. Um, Blackhawks uh, ink a two year extension for their for Colleton, uh, their coach. Uh, in Toronto, uh, Lettinen, not according to Keefe, not ready for NHL minutes on the back end. Um, so yeah. so Dermott has been moved down to the bottom pair. Lettinen being asked to, to, to use this time and, and get himself ready. Um, but Miko Lettinen apparently not ready to play regular minutes, says Sheldon Keefe. Well, they've, and they've got enough, uh, they got enough horses that they can let him, uh, they can let him simmer in, in the Marlies for the rest of the season or whatever the injury status uh, dictates. So tell me this, and, and this is for all of our listeners. We are, um, I've been spending some time recently and this is somewhat new for you. I, because we haven't talked about it before. I've been spending some time on some old stories, looking back some of, through some of the old things that have happened throughout my lifetime to NHL players, things that I know that happened in, in, um, the minor leagues, some of the things that I've heard from minor hockey and junior hockey growing up. Any, we are looking as always for more than just NHL stories. Anybody can, anybody can come up with that stuff. We don't break a lot of news here because podcasts just are not timely enough to break news. We do fix quite a bit of news when it breaks, but we don't break it ourselves. If there are stories out there, stories of Courage, comebacks, um, communities, families involving anything from minor hockey on up, send them to us. We're always looking to prop up and expose uh, where some stories might not otherwise see the light of day. Because they're not NHL superstars. Everybody knows about Mario's comeback 20 years ago or so. Um Great story, great guy, wonderful, incredible player, uh, one of the greatest of all time. And and after uh, lymphoma and back surgery and three or four years off, he came back and was better than ever. Everybody knows about that stuff. There are a lot of them out there that nobody will ever hear of. And if you've got them, send them to us. We would love to put them uh, put them out in public uh, with your permission. So if it's stories of, of minor hockeys, families coming together, communities coming together, uh, stories of comebacks, injuries, setbacks of whatever type, send them to us. We, we would love to, uh, we would love to hear. Agreed. Yep. It'd be nice to do an episode or at least a segment on things like that. Yeah. Good, good stuff. There's, um, there's so many of them. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, Gary Batman in a media interview, um, was asked about how much money the NHL is losing between last year's playoffs uh, and this season's decision to proceed without fans. He said the magnitude of the loss starts with a B with a B. Yes. Uh, we're out, we're out of the M range and into the B, uh, <laughs> Batman admits that it would have been cheaper not to play. Yes. Uh, but says the league and the owners all agreed that it was better to take the financial losses so that there would be hockey for fans to watch. Correct. Again, not a lot I agree with with Bettman. Um, I'm kind of growing up. I, I've been kind of one of the ones booing at the television when <laughs> whenever he makes his appearances at, after the Stanley Cup 
is over and all that stuff and and everything but he is not wrong there again we could go off on many many tangents on maybe they should have just sucked it up and brought fans back like let's move forward well they can't that being said though um based on different states and different areas they can't so um therefore uh you are kind of where you're where you're at um his willingness as well as the league's willingness with owners and things to take the loss to provide hockey for fans um, at home. Um, I applaud, and it is yet another reason why um, hockey and hockey players um, are the best people and the best athletes around. Yep. Um, and, but, because it, they really, really could have, um, if they wanted to, uh, to save their own money in their own pockets, said... No, no hockey this year. Right. Um, and would have been very bad for fans would have been bad for business in the long run. Not only, not only is everything going on in the world right now, bad, uh, with COVID. Um, but had there been an announcement that no hockey that would have added to it. Um, so their willingness to take the loss to bring hockey to people at home. Um, I applaud and hopefully it's a, progress in the right direction um now obviously there's been some positive tests before the season started and things um but hopefully it's a step in the right direction that maybe if organizations do it the right way uh, because they are playing out of their own home buildings um that come 21 22 you'll get a regular october start and maybe you'll get fans at least in some capacity um because organizations and buildings prove that they can sanitize and do things the right way in their own buildings. So there's a lot of po- lot to it that could be positive, but the most positive is that they chose to play. Um, we need I to respect, clarify something. I, re- I respect that. I do so. too, and I'm, I'm fine with it. But there is a point of, there's a point of contention with the Players Association, and it, this is a little bit misleading. I don't really blame them for being up unhappy with the statement that that commissioner bettman made and i again over the years i've come to really change my mind about him with with respect to how he runs the business of the league it's been good overall and everything he's done uh, has been pretty pretty spot on some of the franchises really don't belong where they are but that's his long-term vision with all that said he is he's talking about the owners taking a billion dollar hit north of a billion dollars but the players association the player salaries are the players compensation is 50 percent tied to hockey revenue so over the next two or three years the players association from the paychecks of the players themselves are going to be on the hook for half of that so if the owners lose a billion dollars in to to make the math simple the players over the next two or three years or however long it takes are going to be paying back 500 million of that out of proportional player salaries so the players association was a little bit uptight with him because of he made it sound like all the owners are taking massive hits of a billion dollars when the players really are the sharing players. half of that and he or at didn't least sharing it. it yeah they're sharing half the losses and he never brought that up so point of clarity there uh nonetheless well i appreciate the clarity i so i respect the decision to keep playing and i respect the decision that you're willing to take the loss um but now that you've clarified 
um, it should be mentioned, even if it's by us, that the players are taking a hit too. Yes. And for for pl- players that yes, we can we can argue all we want about who's paid what and who's overpaid. But at the end of the day, compared to other athletes, hockey players are all paid less than other athletes in other sports. Um, So the fact that the players are now taking half or more of said loss and there was no mention of it, um, I don't like that. So even if it's just us, we'll mention it. The players are taking a a hit with that. So the other thing that needs to be said here is, yeah, I get it. The owners are... You know, let's say, I don't know, pick a franchise, Chicago Blackhawks. They make a lot of money. They're, they have a lot of money. If they, I, I hate to say something like this, but if the Blackhawks lose $25 million this year, instead of making 50, if they lose $25 million, nobody's going to starve. But think of the, think of the food vendors, the parking vendors, um, the people, the training staffs and the, the medical staffs and the people who may or may not be making any money this year who are 100% tied to the hockey operations and they're getting zero. So, and not only are they getting zero, but they didn't make a lot in the first place. Yeah. Those people made a lot of a minimum wage tips um, they, they didn't get paid a whole lot of money, just the, uh, you know, the equipment guys and everything. Now they're going to be working and a lot of them, you know, so that, that may be a bad example, but think of all the ancillary businesses that are, and, and jobs that are not going to generate a paycheck because there's no fans in the building yep. or very few. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, money conversation there again, players are taking a bit of a hit. Um, NHL changes, there are LTIR rules last minute. I uh, don't know if you saw that. I did not. Um, Fill me in. Frank Saravalli uh, reported that uh, the NHL has informed teams that if any changes are made to the submitted Tuesday rosters, if any changes are made to those rosters on Wednesday, so if you submit your rosters Tuesday, but you make changes Wednesday, uh, if any changes are made to those rosters on Wednesday for LTIR purposes, yeah it will count as if they were originally submitted on Tuesday. This could pose some issues for teams who are going to wait to the very last minute to move players to maximize the cap savings with LTIR. Uh, Frank Cervelli uh, said, teams don't want to operate in LTIR all season, so they like to get as close to the cap as possible for day one, which is Tuesday, and then add their players to LTIR on day two, which is Wednesday, to maximize the benefit. Um, It's interesting this year because a number of the teams that play on Wednesday plan to be cap compliant using LTIR. Tampa, St. Louis, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Chicago. This may force an opening night roster that uh, team or coach may not have planned, at least for the first day. Gotcha. The reason behind this decision is because the NHL feels that changes would prove the teams were not accurately reflecting their opening night rosters in their original submission and were undermining or circumventing the system. This is going to affect a lot of teams as... And the NHL will likely have tons of players hit the waiver wire as a result, as Saravelli notes. Uh, it, well, did did you did you see 
of the 140 some players that were put on waivers this week before the season started. Yeah. Corey Perry, I mean, a number of, of them. Yeah. And but nobody uh, other than uh, who was the um, who was the defenseman that was lost to Florida? Oh God, I just read his name too. Um, just drew blank on that, but. Oh, uh, Noah Juleson. Yeah, aside from, from him, nobody was nobody. There was no because nobody nobody's got the room. Nobody yeah. can add. Everybody can everybody can waive him. So everybody except Noah Juleson cleared waivers and is still safe. Yep. Uh, the team is still safe, having not lost them, but they put him on waivers. Funny you mention that. Uh, the next headline here: uh, waivers coming fast and furious. Uh, today, today, and this was a few days ago. Um, but again, we're hitting hitting all the notes here as the season officially starts today as of this recording. Um, the biggest day in terms of players who hit the waiver wire among the players already hitting waiver wires are uh, Montreal Canadiens' latest two signings, Corey Perry, Michael Froelich. The yep. Canucks have placed Louis Erickson and Sven Barchi on waivers, and the Lightning sent Tyler Johnson and Luke Shen down. Uh, the Oilers moved... Uh, Kyra, Kyru, Jujar Kyra, yeah, yep. Uh, Patrick Russell, uh, Nygaard, Anton Forsberg, uh, Quinn. Uh, while the Flames moved Derek Ryan, Zach Ronaldo, and Oliver Kylington. At this point, there are close to ninety players that have been waived by NHL teams. Right. Um, combine that with a number of players that are going this year without being on a roster simply because of of cap. Um, you mentioned this earlier. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on it again. Keith Yandel's Ironman streak is in jeopardy. Uh, Elliot Friedman reporting uh, that out of Florida, there's uh, that Friedman, or Friedman, that um, Yandel, excuse me, uh, Pan- mentions that the that Panthers may move Yandel uh, since the game was postponed. Um, first two games were postponed due to COVID stuff, right? Yeah, uh, for Florida, which is. It buys a little bit of time because they have to now. It, so here's what I don't know for sure, and I should before I say anything. So forgive me out there. I is your opening night roster when you start, or is that opening night of the season when you're tied? When your cap is tied, well, is that is that as of when you go per, per Frank Cervalli? I think I think um, I think Tuesday is your opening night roster. Okay. Um, because that's when you submit it, right? And Frank Cervelli said that if any changes are made to it on Wednesday, that it's going to count as if it were submitted on Tuesday, which means you're not getting the same cap-saving benefits from LTIR like you would if you submitted it Wednesday. Um, So I believe that what that means, if I have it correct too, and I may be wrong myself, but I believe that means that the opening night rosters are officially submitted Tuesday. Can I ask a question? And I, I th- this is a rhetorical question, but uh, thanks for explaining that. Why, after all he has failed to do in Vancouver, why would they wait to waive Louis Erickson until the fourth, or actually this is the fifth out of a six-year horrendous six million per contract? He's now thirty-five. So he is now too old to buy out for 50%. Why would you wait that long? Why would you not have waived him two years ago when he was a complete dud at six million bucks, get rid of the space, buy him out, and get him done for half price? Now they can't get I guess rid of they, him. I guess they had hope that Louis Erickson would be 
Louis Erickson of old, and that just didn't in, happen. Um, Even Louis Erickson of old wasn't, wasn't never that great. Okay. But anyway, for you here, um, <laughs> any surprises on who the Maple Leafs cut uh, heading into well, the season? Um, because there are some surprises on it. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the list or if you know. I'm sure you do. But um, it, they cut Kenny Agostino, uh, Joey Anderson, uh, Justin Brazo. Uh, Rourke Chartier. Uh, they cut Pierre Engvall. How do you feel about that? I don't. Uh, that surprises me. Uh, Tyler Gaudet. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hollowell. Hutchison. You saw that coming. Yep. Um, Lilligren. Really? No, I didn't Timothy see Timothy Lilligren. Lilligren. They no. cut him. Wow. Um, Marinson. They cut him. Um, Patan. They cut him. Nick Patan. Yeah. Callie he- Rosen and uh, Scott Sabrin. So that's the list of their roster cuts heading to finalize their roster heading into the season. None so, of those are huge surprises. Timothy Lilligren being he's 21 and he cannot find his way out of the Marlies. That is got to be a disappointment for everybody. I'm surprised to cut Envall. Envall was kind of I proving to be kind of that third or fourth line guy that could, could grind out a, at least 10 goals a season or something like that. He was but. great on the third line. He was a great penalty killer and, and he's straight ahead fast, like, you know, top, top tier straight ahead quick, but there, you know, with their depth, apparently, uh, Barabanov, the, the Russian who's now 26 years old, um, for way less money, he's under a million. And when you signed Wayne Simmons and, and you've got Spezza and Thornton, uh, Jimmy VC, you've got more expendable guys. Like it gives you, it gives you the, the flexibility to, to throw uh, Engvall back to the minors. So, not not a lot of big surprises there, really. I, you know, I, I guess the only surprise in the roster is that Phil Kessel is still on the payroll for two more years, at one point two. Yep. So. Uh, since we're talking about each other's teams here, we'll mention the Avs as well. Um, Avalanche finalized their roster, uh, reducing to 21 players with um, many with several players moving to their taxi squad. Um, Shane Bowers, Martin Kaut, uh, Dennis Gilbert, who came over in the Zadorov trade with Brandon Saad, Hunter Miska, Logan O'Connor, and Kiefer Sherwood all moved to the taxi squad for the Avs. Um, and Bowen Byram, uh, is going to the Eagles, which is just announced that what this morning. Yeah. And the following player has been reassigned Bowen Byram heading to the Colorado Eagles of the AHL, uh, which with the announcement, the AHL is starting up February 5th, um, probably works. It allows Byram to quarantine. It allows Byram to, um, get a number of professional games under his belt, um, see what he brings with the Eagles and then bring him in accordingly. Because I would assume, I mean, again, assumptions make an ass out of you and me, but I would assume, um, that once the AHL season starts up, um, some changes will be made in regards to call-ups and taxi squads, correct? I would would assume. Yeah, absolutely. um, Therefore, um, you are likely to see the taxi squad that I just mentioned uh, for Colorado all going to to Loveland um, once the AHL season starts. And then, that because then, again, assumption being uh, the league then moves back into more of a normal 
call up, send down situation, right. uh, which I which I think it's a safe assumption because again, I don't see the Avalanche sending Byram to the AHL if that's not the case. If they, if there's any concern about whether or not they they'd have access to Bowen Byram after sending him to the AHL, not putting him on a taxi squad or whatever, I don't think they'd do it. I think they would have had him on the roster if they were at all concerned about that. He is in he is in the AHL right now because he won't play the, on the taxi squad. He won't play. So Dennis Gilbert, who is the only left defenseman on that taxi squad, is not going to play so you get bag skated every day with the black aces and then you sit in the press box and that's not what they want to develop byram so he'll be he'll be playing in the ahl he'll get his rhythm he'll get his feet under him uh, at the pro level for the first time and if they unless they unless they stay completely 100 percent healthy on defense all year long he'll be up yeah. but they've got seven real they, they've got maybe the best eight defensemen top to bottom in the national hockey league. Yeah. So we so talked about last night. We talked about last night. We'll mention it now. Cause they've also now with today being game one, the avalanches season against St. Louis tonight. Um, as of this recording, I, I'll say that, uh, their projected lineup, um, again, uh, Burkowski, McKinnon, Rantanen on your top line, Laniscog, Kadri, and Saad to close out your bottom six or your top six, uh, Nachushkin, Comfer, and Donskoy, Jost, Belmar, Calvert, close out your bottom six. Uh, your defensive pairings projected, uh, Taves and McCarr on your top pair. Beautiful. Gerard and Timmins, uh, your middle pair, and Graves and Cole, uh, your bottom pair. Eric Johnson is also in there. Um, he had a positive COVID test um, during the testing period during quarantine, and we mentioned it a week or two ago again. Once you get to your city, uh, you are required to quarantine for a week. Uh, during that quarantine, you need four negative tests. Um, Eric Johnson um, and a number of and Landeskog and a number of players had a positive test in that week. Eric Johnson must have had more than one uh, because Landeskog and Saad are now back with the team. Uh, Johnson has yet is not listed for the opening night roster. Yeah. So it's just a protocol deal though, right? So that's, that's a protocol um, because I did see a headline that he is um, clear and he's feeling just fine. Yeah. Um, but protocol it's wise, protocol. you probably have to protocol okay. wise, you had a negative hours. test. Now you have to wait how, however long. Yep. Uh, so f- he's there as well, but for the opening night roster, your, those are your defensive pairings. Gr- I can't Grubauer getting the start in net. I just saw something here that I really could have done without. Hunter Miska, who I saw break in here in Penticton with the V's, is 25 years old. Hmm. That where does why 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 can you do without that? Because it makes you feel old. Well, or yeah. because it, it was seven years ago that I saw him here. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. Yikes. But good for him. He's making he's making a, a splash he's, in a in an NHL lineup. He's, he's made a, a, a taxi squad. Yep. He's he's arguably your guy in Loveland once the season starts there. 
um, along with Adam Warner. Yep. Um, this it'll take a while for Justice Annan to develop. Uh, and probably 20. with COVID stuff, if he's not in the U in North America right now, it'll probably take a while for him to get here he's anyway. Playing in Finland, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, but they're really be. they're really high on him. So yeah, eventually, um, but. Um, until then, Misk is kind of your your call up if something happens. Good for him. Hey, he's he's worked hard. He's earned it. So because uh, he he's another guy that went from a pure AHL contract to earning himself based on his play. Um, is he on two way now? Based on his play last year, he's on a two way. So good he's earned him. himself a two way. Good um, for him. So good, good for him. him. Um, anyway, anything uh, else going on? I don't think so. I think that covers all that. Um, well, listen, I would love to sit here and chat, but I am swamped. Yep, you got to get for your for your raspberry porter. I have a three o'clock beer appointment that I cannot miss, and I've got to go see my uh, wonderful two born two month son wearing (laughs) his avalanche onesie as we prepare for season opener tonight. So, and we uh, are we're having another watch party for the Leaf game this evening. Yeah, so I think it's self explanatory what we're looking forward to in the coming week. Um, So we can forego that. Yeah, again, listen, uh, if you're listening and you've got a story that inspires you, uh, it's likely going to inspire us. So if you're if you're involved in the game and you've seen this stuff go on with somebody who really needs to be recognized, uh, that you would like to have us recognize, please send it along. Contact Absolutely. us. Absolutely. We're obviously open to um, questions and comments. So Yep, always. Uh, Head to the necessary social media platforms, uh, like, follow, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe, rate and review. Those are the big ones. Rate and review. And uh, we will see you next time with War Room. Thank you for joining in the studio. I love it. Thank you. Yep. I'm Evan Rauer with Warm the Hockey Podcast. We'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.